Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Instructions, cluttering. Ever had a, a moment where you just couldn't see what you were supposed to be seeing? Like you, you, you knew it was out there, but there were just things in the way. Well, I wasn't expecting to have this illustration, but it happened to me on Saturday morning. <laughs> so uh, I got up, and I had to meet somebody in the morning, and lo and behold, um, it freezes in Virginia. Didn't know that necessarily. So I got up, and as usual, I was running late, so I just figured I'd run out to my car, and particular car I was driving that day it was my car without a heater. And uh, so I ran out there, and I got there. I'm like, I'll just get in. Well, I couldn't hard time open the door and then I realized there was this white stuff all over the window that turned out to be ice and I was like oh my goodness so I go in there to get a scraper there's no scraper so I go to a different car grab that scraper and I start scraping and scraping and I'm like oh look it's clear clear windows so I get in the car without the heater and then uh, I turn on the car and 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 um, I start driving thinking I got clear windows it's gonna be good and so I get like you know an inch down the road and those clear windows turn to foggy windows and I'm like what is going on you know I'm looking, and I'm trying to see, and I'm just at this moment praying that I don't hit anybody and get in a wreck, and, you know, it's, it's, it could be just really bad at this moment. You'd think I would pull over, but that would be too reasonable, and so I just kept driving with an cluttered, obstructed view, and, uh, yeah, don't be on the road when I'm on the road. It's a bad deal. So, clutter. Clutter. Things clutter our lives all the time, right? And this season can often get really cluttered, can't it? Which is why we're doing this series. But we're looking at the things that hinder us, the things that clutter our lives, the things that cause us to be hurried, and, and all the ways that we miss Jesus. He's right in front of us, but we miss him. All the ways that we look right past him, look around him, look through him, look away from him, but all the ways that we do it, and all the things that cause us to do that. And part of that series is we want to get to the 23rd. And on the 23rd, we hope you will invite every single person you know. We hope you'll invite every person you know to hear the message of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He came here to offer us life. It ended in his resurrection, which made his birth so incredible and significant. There'll be amazing things for the kids, an outrageous morning for them. It's going to be dramas and, 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 and just stuff, games and craziness, and people dressed up and, and food and all sorts of things for the kids. But the biggest thing we're going to talk about is Jesus, our Savior, who came near. We're going to make sure that everything's out of the way. And the people you bring, you yourselves, will see the Savior up close and personal. Who needs to be here? I hope you'll bring them. And then on the 24th, we're going to have a candlelight service. It'll last about an hour, and we'll just, again, have one more time of reflection and remembrance of, of the day that Christ came near. Okay? Cluttering. What else clutters this season? The shopping, maybe? <laughs> shopping. Does our vision and sights get so set on shopping that we miss Jesus altogether? The decorations. Gotta have the perfect house. Gotta have it. The neighbor has it. I'll have it. It'll happen. Social media expectations and comparisons. Come on, Sally just put a picture of her house. Oh, oh man. And did you see how cute that little baby's dressed up in his Christmas outfit? I gotta get my baby dressed up just like that. I gotta get my Instagram shot out there because it's 
clutter of the season, right? Traditions that must be realized even if it kills me. Because grandma did it that way, mom did it that way, and I will do it that way. Okay. How about the assumed expectations of others? You know, so-and-so really wants this, and -and so-and-so really needs that, and -and so-and-so would just be heartbroken if we didn't make it, and I think they want this, and they should think our house should look this way, and they think that they they don't care. (laughs) What about gifts? Got to be the right one. Got to cost the right amount. Got to go to the right person. But debt, how much? None. Don't do it. Clutters your vision. Clutters it. Attendance and gathering. It's the second day of the month of December, and you already got 16 invitations, and you better make it to them all. But some of you might think you don't like them. It's got to be terrible. All the things that clutter our sight of Jesus. Christmas cards and year-end family newsletters. You got to get those out because everybody needs to know what's happening with the family and you got to get them to everybody. And don't miss somebody on the list because you know what? They might miss you on the list and then you won't be getting their cards and you know, they won't be getting your cards and pretty soon they'll think there's a feud and then they don't talk to you at all and then you're without a friend and pretty soon you'll be friendless and you'll get to be, uh, you know, however old it is and you'll be all by yourself. You got to get the Christmas cards out. I don't get too many Christmas cards anymore. <laughs> Maybe it's because I don't send them out too much. But um, expectations, things clutter of the season. It's all about everything except Jesus. There's a little Jesus on the card, and there's some Christmas songs as we're driving down the road, and the stores have a few songs here or there, and, but we have taken our eyes completely off Jesus, and it's set on the clutter of the season. All of a sudden, it's Christmas weekend, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and it's Christmas evening, and then finally Christmas night. We sit in our little rocker, maybe, and look around, and Finally, there he is. There he is, behind all the clutter of the expectations, choices, gatherings, dinners, guests, mounds of wrapping paper, we see Jesus, our Savior. It's the whole reason, right? It's the whole reason that we started this thing in the first place was to remember that God came near, to remember that Jesus came in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the clutter, and said, nothing can keep me from you, and yet we let so much keep us from him. We let so much distract us from him. So much. But that's just the season. What in your life is cluttering your view of Jesus? The corporate ladder? The great vacation? The perfect home? Debt? Bills? Responsibilities? The perfect family? Latest toy or thing? Getting to retirement so I can finally live. Politics? A seemingly broken marriage? Health issues? Kids heading in the wrong direction? A past that, while forgiven, still creeps up too often? Sin that always seems to rear its head? Those are pretty real things, huh? A lot of those are hard things. A lot of those things wouldn't come about by your choice. And yet still, it clutters our sight from being set on Jesus. The author, the perfecter of our faith, the one who is our strength, our guide, the one who is our hope that we talked about last week, 
We allow a lot of things in life by choices, good ones and bad ones, and by just life as it unfolds to clutter our vision to the point that we don't see Jesus at all. He's a faint vision in there somewhere as I deal with all the stuff and the junk and the hurt and the pain, the disappointments, the failed expectations, the, the successes and the, the, the rewards. As I, just, as, I, as I just see it all, and that's what I see, and that's what's in front of me, and that's what I'm focused on, and that's what I'm going after, and that's what's drawn my attention, and, and it's all right there. But Jesus, we've lost sight of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Kids are gone, career is over, retirement is in full swing, friends are beginning to pass, and we are sitting on the proverbial porch swing looking back over our life and the choices, relationships, and the clutter of a life that was lived. There in the distance, you can barely see him, but he is still there. We have just lost sight of him. We have missed him. We have looked away so many times and put so many items, moments, and dreams ahead of him that we missed him. However, he never went away. He never got lost. We just cluttered our view of him. We cluttered our relationship. We cluttered our understanding of who he is and what he wants to do in our lives. There he is in the midst of the disappointment. There he is in the midst of success. And in the midst of work that we were doing, he was there. In the midst of the family we raised, he was there. In the midst of that really crummy doctor's office visit with terrible news. He was there in the midst of a marriage bedroom that is lonely and isolated. He is there in the trip to the courthouse. Yet one more time, he was there. Can you see him? It's Jesus. You see, he came near to be our Savior and to let us know that nothing would stop him from caring for us, providing for us, showing us the way, giving us our next step, taking us through the difficult times, creating order out of the chaos, helping us with the right choices. Nothing would stop him. Seeing Jesus today will lead to a joyous tomorrow. Seeing Jesus today will lead to a joyous tomorrow. Read with me in Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do, took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Father, open our eyes, clear the clutter away, and help us to see you for who you are and what you're doing. For the great work that you did and the great work that you're still doing, help us to see you. Help us to find joy in you because the clutter just rips it away. Give us words, give us a, an understanding of this passage, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.
Faithfulness today prepares us for tomorrow's holiness. Faithfulness today prepares us for tomorrow's holiness. How is the birth of Jesus? This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Faithfulness. Joseph was a faithful man. Mary was a faithful servant. The two of them were chosen by God because of their faithfulness to be the earthly mother and the earthly father of Jesus. They were chosen because of their lineage. They were chosen because of their heritage. They were chosen because they came from the line of David. They were chosen for all sorts of reasons. But the greatest of all reasons was that they were chosen because of their faithfulness to God. And here you have Joseph. And he just got kidney punched, man. As hard as you can get punched, he got it. Because you have to understand something about the culture. It wasn't just that, hey, we're engaged, and if this thing works great, if it doesn't, that's okay. we got a year left still to figure it out. As long as we don't put a, a down payment on the, on the venue, well, we're okay. We can end the engagement, and everybody will go away, and it'll be just fine. That's not what was happening here. When you get engaged in that culture at that time, in the ancient Near East, here's what happens, is you are literally married. You are bonded in this marriage. It, it will require a divorce to end the engagement. All that's being waited for now is the ceremony. The families come together to give a blessing over the family and then the consummation of the marriage. And there's this year of preparation that occurs that demonstrates their godliness, their holiness, their purity, because for a year they won't touch each other. Many of them wouldn't be able to see each other. There was all kinds of sorts of cultures and traditions put together with it. But the idea was is that we will go and prepare ourselves for this lifelong commitment to marriage. And in this year, we will demonstrate our holiness. In this year, we'll demonstrate our purity. You can count on me to seek God and his holiness and to be faithful to him and to be faithful to you above all else. The, the husband would go and prepare the house. that so we attach it to his family's house. He would prepare the wedding chamber, the marriage, the bridal chamber. There would be this great celebration. There would be this great march to the new home. And then they would enter into the wedding chamber. The, 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 the bride and the groom would enter in and they would consummate their marriage through this incredible act that God gave to the married of a sexual love that was expressed between the two of them. Oh, man, what a great thing God gave us. And it was this holy moment of preparing for marriage, and that's what they were doing. And, and so to hear this, that your uh, fiancé uh, was now pregnant, means only one of two things. Either this whole process of remaining pure and remaining holy and demonstrating your purity and your holiness either went out the window because you two, you know, went out back behind the sycamore tree or something else. And here's holy, righteous Joseph going, I can tell you right now, it was something else. Because I wasn't a part of that. And so there's only one other option. The option is that Mary was unholy. She was unrighteous. That Mary lost sense of herself for a while. That Mary was with somebody else. Because she's pregnant. Now Joseph knew the law, and part of the law would be that two or three would have to come and give accusation that, that that's what she did, that she, was, she, was, she had partaken adultery. Although that wouldn't be needed this time. Do you know why? Because there was a baby. <laughs> the baby was all the evidence that you needed because that's the only way it happened. Mary, 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 why? Mary, why? 
Can you imagine the conversation that must have took place? Can you imagine the tears that must have been shed? Can you imagine the anger that must have been there? Can you imagine all that must have been cluttering the vision of Joseph and Mary? All that must have been getting in the way, all the stuff of life, all the expectations, because here's the expectation. Not only would there be quickly a divorce, but it would be a public divorce. She'd be put on public display, and then Joseph would drag her out to the center of town, and they would stone her. They would kill her. Oh, he knew the law. There was expectations that he would do something a certain way. There was expectations that things would happen a certain way. What was he to do? How would he act? How would he respond? He couldn't take her now as his wife. They'd be the laughingstock. They'd be ostracized. He was a carpenter, for goodness sakes. Would he even get work? Don't miss it. Don't miss what the writer said. Whatever you do, don't miss it. Her husband was faithful to the law. Well, you see, he had been in situations a thousand times before. He had been in situations where he practiced the law. He knew the righteousness, where he had been faithful to God, where he had practiced the heart of the law, not just the letter of the law. He had been in the situations a thousand times before, given the choice to to sin, given the choice to walk in a different way, given the choice to follow the Pharisees or to follow the, the Lord most God on high. He was faithful. He had practiced faithfulness day in and day out. And now came his moment of the greatest act of holiness that would be needed. And how would he respond? (laughs) You see, he responded by knowing Scripture. He responded by knowing God's character. He responded because he had been living in faithfulness to God, the true God of the universe, the true God that loves us, the true God that acts with mercy and grace. And maybe he remembered a passage like Micah 6.8 that says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Maybe he had remembered all the times that he had read and poured over the scriptures and heard the testimonies of his ancestors of all the times Israel turned their back on God and walked astray and all the times that the Lord offered mercy and offered grace and pulled them back and drew them back and loved them even in the midst of it. See, his eyes were fixed on God. He never took his sight off him, growing in faithfulness, growing and learning how to live out a faithful life of mercy and grace and how to live out a faithful life. Maybe he recalled the book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea, who referred to Israel as a harlot and a prostitute because of their idol worship and turning to other gods. And maybe he remembered what happened. The Lord took him back. The Lord always took Israel back. The Lord always extended grace when instead he should have wiped them off the planet. He should have withdrew his covenant, but he always offered grace and mercy. So what does he do? He had in mind to divorce her quietly. To let God deal with what was next. To let God call Mary back to holiness. To let God deal with whatever needed to happen in Mary's life. I'm going to act with mercy. I'm going to act with grace. I'm going to live out the intent of the law of Scripture. I'm going to respond like my father because he never took his eye off the father. And when we don't take our eye off the father and we live moment by moment seeking to be faithful to what God calls us to, then suddenly there's a moment where outrageous holiness is going to be required from us. A choice that's going to be so difficult to make. A decision that's going to be ruthless. In 
can cause pain. And we are going to be prepared to make the holy decision because we didn't allow the clutter of the emotion, the clutter of the pain, the clutter of expectations, the clutter of religion, the clutter of anything to get in our way. And we practice our faithfulness so that all could see. Knowing the Lord's voice today will help us to recognize his calling tomorrow. Knowing the voice of God today will help us to recognize his calling tomorrow. In verse 20, it says this, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I want you to see that first phrase there. After he had considered this, he didn't run into action. Oh, no. He didn't just go and say, this is what we're going to do. No. In his faithfulness, he sought to act holy. He processed. He weighed. He said, okay, this is holiness. I think this would be a great act of holiness. I think this would be the best way. And then what did he do? He considered and he thought and he pondered and he brought it before the Lord. And he weighed it next to Scripture. And he weighed it next to the truth of Scripture. And he continued to do just that wanting to know from God what the right choice and the right decision was. Knowing the Lord's voice today will help us to recognize his calling tomorrow. Look, remember we talked about last week that for 400 years there was silence from God. Hearing the voice of God was not common. Hearing the voice of the Lord was not something that Joseph had heard before. Having an angel speak to him had not happened before because there was not messages or visions or dreams from the Lord for, two, for 400 years. But he had been in Scripture. He had known that the Lord spoke through dreams and through visions. He had known the Lord spoke through his word and that the same God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he could count on the fact that however God was going to act was going to be consistent with the pages of Scripture. He began to know and hear and understand the voice of God as he stayed faithful to the word of God. As he drenched himself to the scriptures, as he drenched himself to the stories of, the, of our patriarchs and our fathers and our, and our ancestors as they walked with God. He was faithful. And then he considered. He didn't march in allowing his emotions to clutter those choices. And he kept going before the Lord, wanting to hear from the Lord. And I'll guarantee he did not expect an angel to show up in a dream. And yet that is exactly what happened. Now we have a different opportunity, don't we? Because those who have said yes to Christ, today the Holy Spirit lives within us and speaks to us regularly, speaks to us moment by moment, speaks to us in the midst of our pain, speaks to us when it's time to make a decision. There's literally a voice of the Lord that speaks to us. And people ask me all the time, I've never heard God's voice. Have you read the word of God because that's his voice? Have you read the word of God because that's his voice? Have you spent time in quietness with them because he will speak to you according to his word? They will be married. We can guarantee that the same voice that speaks through scripture will be the same voice that speaks to you. And then because he knows you intimately, every hair on your head is counted. He made you, he created you. You are wonderfully and perfectly made. He will speak with just the language that you need to hear. He will speak with just the tone and just the voice and just the presence that you need to understand that it is him. But we have to practice knowing his we have to practice every day being in the word. We have to practice knowing what righteousness and truth is. We've got to practice knowing his character, knowing how he speaks to his people. We have to practice that. And then we have to be in prayer, constant prayer. We have to be talking and we have to be listening. We have to be talking and we have to be listening, listening to the voice of the Lord. Because we need to know his voice so that we can hear his calling. We need to know his voice so tomorrow we can hear his calling. 
What is God going to call you to? What's the next right step he's going to have you make? It might be in the midst of chaos and utter clutter. It might be in, in, in the most amazing, hurtful moment of your life. God might call you to something absolutely life-shaking. Will you know his voice when he does it? Think about what he just called Joseph to. Go ahead. Don't be afraid. Take her as your wife. For what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You knew the scriptures. You knew that was going to happen. Okay. I know your voice. I'm not taking my eyes off you. But you are my joy. I'll follow. I see my calling. I see it now. I'll walk forward. Will you be able to say that? Or is it too much clutter? Too many other voices that are far too strong. Have you spent time in the word to know when he will call you to the extraordinary? You know his voice today? Maybe you need to pick up that 365-day plan again. I know there's only a couple days left in this year. Guess what? A new one starts. There's going to be another 365 right around the corner. Are you in the word every day? Maybe you need to pick up the Advent book. Read scripture and read a quick devotion every day. Maybe you need to take the Luke challenge. Read through the Gospel of Luke this month. Prepare your hearts to see the King. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to be in a Bible study. Are you stopping to pray? Are you making time every day to stop and pray? I know we pray in our cars. I got it. I know. I know we do. I do too. It gets a little reckless out there sometimes. It gets a little busy. Somebody stops in front of you. You're late for work. You missed your turn. That might get in the way of praying sometimes. Are you taking time and setting aside to talk to the Savior? Put your eyes on Jesus to hear his voice, to know his voice, because when his calling comes, oh man, you're going to want to know his voice. Every, every two weeks in our church, every other week, we get together on Wednesday nights for prayer. It would be amazing to see you there. I think the season must have got busy because there was only four of us that showed up the last time we had it. That's okay. Maybe you'll make one of those. Maybe you'll gather with a neighbor. Maybe you'll gather with a coworker who's a follower of Christ. And take some time during the day and pray with one another. Maybe next, in January, February, when we offer the Six Habits class, maybe you'll step into that, learn more about prayer, learn more about reading the Word, learn more about hearing the voice of God. Know His voice today. You'll hear His calling tomorrow. Believing in God's sovereignty of, for today allows us to believe in the unimaginable of tomorrow. Believing in God's sovereignty today allows us to believe in the unimaginable of tomorrow. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Oh, what's he going to do in your life? Do you believe he's sovereign? Do you believe that every detail of your life God is involved in? Do you believe that he has power to accomplish far greater than we could ever think or imagine? Do you believe that he is the all-knowing God? Do you believe that he is everywhere all the time? Do you believe that he is the beginning and the end? 
Do you believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do you believe that, that he is the sovereign Lord, that nothing escapes his control, nothing escapes his understanding, nothing escapes his power, that he has his hand on every detail of every person's life? Do you believe in his sovereignty? Because if you do, the unimaginable and the unthinkable is at your fingertips. If you believe that, then never take your eyes off of him. Don't let anything of this earth clutter your view of him because he is the only one that can do those things. He is the only one that can do the miraculous. He is the only one that can do the unthinkable, the unfathomable. He is the only one that can do that which we can't do. Only him. Only him. And if you live today believing that he is sovereign, you, believe, you live today knowing that he has control of our lives, you live today knowing that in this choice, in this decision, he is my God and he is leading me and he is directing me. If you live today knowing that he is the almighty, all-glorious God, then tomorrow when he presents the unfathomable, the unthinkable, the unimaginable before you, it is joyous because you don't doubt that it's him and you want to step into it because only he can do something like that because he is the sovereign God. And by the way, remember what he said, I'll do even greater works in you. What will he do in you? What does he want to do in your life? What does he want to bring about in your life? Or is everything so cluttered that you can't see and you can't hear? And it's getting hard to believe that he can do the impossible. What does he want to do with you? Don't wait till you're sitting on that proverbial porch looking back. Set your eyes on him today. The one that can do all things. The one that can do infinitely more than we could ever imagine or dream. And finally this, obedience today brings tomorrow's blessings. Notice this amazing description. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. (laughs) He was obedient today, right now. This is what the Lord said. I'll step into it. I'm shaken. It's crazy. I can't imagine it. Would he really do this? This is what? And I'm going to step right into it because the Lord gave me the next right step and he can do the unimaginable because he is sovereign. I know this is the Lord's voice because I've sat with him daily. I understand this is his calling. And I have been faithful in the small things. And now this one, I'm trusting him. And I will respond in holiness. The Lord said, move, and I am moving. And what was the blessing? We don't have to get too crazy about it. We don't have to scour too many books. We don't have to go to the world's greatest theologians. He became the earthly father of Jesus, the savior of the world. He and Mary became the mother and father, the earthly mother and father of the Savior of the world. Blessing follows obedience. What does God want to do in your life? What's the blessing he wants to give you? How is he asking you to respond in obedience? How is he asking you to move forward trusting him? Whatever's in the way, get rid of it. Whatever has clouded your vision, 
Move it off to the side. It'll still be there. Joseph's problems were still there. Mary's problems were still there. They were still going to be laughed at. They were still going to be ostracized. They were, the Lord didn't make any promise that by stepping forward that those things were going to go away. He just said, I'm with you. I'm bringing about my sovereign plan. And I will bless you for you will be the earthly father of Jesus. What blessing awaits you? But what is cluttering your vision? 